everyone. Welcome to the Dreamcatcher Podcast, a place where your dreams can find a voice. I'm your host, Celine Chenoy. Thank you to all of you who return every week to tune in to become a better version of yourself. Make sure you hit subscribe if you haven't already, and rate our show if you enjoyed this episode. Self-talk is your inner voice. It is part of your stream of consciousness that allows you to process and understand what's happening around you. My guest Vasavi Kumar says that how you talk to yourself matters. It sets the tone for every experience in your life and will bring you either closer to or farther from the truth of who you are. Today, she'll share how we can step into our power and say it out loud. Vasavi Kumar is a life coach and licensed therapist with a myriad of in-person, print, televised, and social media experience. A first-generation Indian-American growing up on Long Island and diagnosed with bipolar disorder at the age of 19, she learned to become highly self-aware and take action to create the life she wanted for herself. In this interview, Vasavi will offer insight into how we can tune in to our inner self to hear our self-guidance and wisdom. She'll teach us how to start talking to the voice in our head with compassion and acceptance, rather than be influenced by those around us. Hey Vasavi, how are you doing today? I'm good, Celine. How are you? I'm doing fantastic. Thank you. Well, it is so nice to have you on the show. I'm looking forward to learning more about you and your story and your philosophy, which you write about in your new book, Say It Out Loud. I have to ask, how does it feel to finally be able to share your story with the with the world? It feels timely and it feels very liberating, if I'm being honest with you. Uh, it feels great that I've been able to take what I've learned professionally and personally and and turn it into something that I think is really going to help people transform the way they talk to themselves. Wonderful. And what has the feedback been like? So far, we got five-star reviews on Amazon. Anyone that's read the book has been loving it. I have people that, you know, they highlight different parts of the book. And it's just so interesting to me when I see people highlighting certain aspects of uh, different chapters and and sharing what resonates with them. It feels really good. Yeah, I'm sure it does. And I think it's because people probably relate to a lot of the things that you shared in the story, and it probably felt very authentic. Yeah, I think when you're writing a book, it's really important that you put yourself into it, you know, rather than uh, be a little bit more detached. So I wanted to make sure that I let the reader in on who I was as a person, but also what I had to teach based on the learnings of my own life. Mm, Great, great. So I'm looking forward to getting more into the actual content of the book. But before we do, I want to learn a little bit about your background. You Mm -hmm. say that the inspiration behind the book has a lot to do with your own personal journey. You write that you came to your self-understanding after facing several challenges including not being able to fit into the American culture because your parents were uh, Indian immigrants. Mm -hmm. So take us through that journey of self-realization and how it became the foundation of the work that you do today. I think not feeling like you belong anywhere sets you on a path of um, finding out where you do belong. And so that was really my journey. I didn't really feel like I belonged anywhere growing up, growing up in an all-white town and, um, you know, being born and raised in this country, but then also needing to fit in. So it just kind of 
happened that I went through what I went through, which were many challenges in my life that I think a lot of us go through in our own shape and size and form, but ultimately um, led me back home to myself because that's just the kind of person I am. I'm a, a very curious person and one that's relentless in search of, in pursuit of whatever it is that I'm looking for. So uh, I believe that the things that I went through in my life helped me to become more open to what else is out there rather than wanting to fit in all the time. Uh, I'm very aware that I don't fit in and um, that I was different than everybody else. And I use that to my advantage. And I, I use that to really become more of myself rather than reject and abandon myself. Now, that doesn't mean throughout my life, I did not reject and abandon myself. I definitely did, which is where I teach from and I speak from. But I think now when I look back on my entire journey, it all feels so divine and all kind of came together so beautifully to where I am today. Hmm. And what was it that you did to sit, to take advantage of the fact that you were different from everyone else around you? Was there anything specific that you did? You know, I thought I had to fit in at one point, especially in my younger years, I would say elementary, middle school, high school were definitely the hardest years. But I'm very blessed that my parents were open to putting me in therapy at a very young age because I couldn't really talk to them much. Uh, they, 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 they just didn't understand a lot of things. And I understand not language wise, but they just they didn't know what I was going through because they were going to work every day. I've used a myriad of tools throughout my life, whether it's therapy and coaching and reading or listening to podcasts, but it's mostly been a lot of my self-talk. The way I speak to myself, which is what I write about in my book, is definitely has definitely been the game changer for my approach to life, my approach to healing, um, because I'm extremely sensitive to tone of voice and how things are being said and spoken. And so I always knew that I was very mindful of how I spoke to others, but the thing that I was not as mindful of I was a little careless with was how I spoke to myself. So that's definitely one of the main things and tools that I've used, which is self-talk to be able to understand myself and be kind to myself to walk me through different challenges that I've experienced in my life. Hmm. Was there a specific incident in your life where you realized you had to change your self-talk? Hmm, that's a great question. I can say that I... <laughs> I knew that I needed to change it throughout any throughout all the challenges, whether I was being diagnosed, I was diagnosed with bipolar disorder, or whether I went to rehab twice for addiction. I mean, each of each of the things that I've gone through in my life have shown me where I don't love myself. And so I set on this path to start to love myself. How does one even begin to do that? Yes, exercise, hydrate, sleep on time, uh, prayer making sure that you're around great people in your life, having boundaries. But the one thing that I've really honed in on, which is what I teach in my book, is your self-talk. Because at the end of the day, Celine, you could have all the things, do be doing all the things. But if the way that you speak to yourself isn't kind, it doesn't matter. Because my goal ultimately was to have my mind be a peaceful place and be a kind place and a place where things can thrive, not be destroyed. Um and I think the way that I've learned to speak to myself is definitely a testament, not only the way I speak to myself, but the results that I've produced in my life as a result of my self-talk is a testament to this work. Mm. And why do you think that people tend to lean more towards negative self-talk and not being very nice to themselves? 
I think that's what we're taught. We're taught, we're, we're not taught, we're not actually taught how to speak to ourselves. Um, in fact, we are trained to be kinder to the outside world than we are to ourselves. In fact, you know, we, you're called selfish, you're called self-absorbed, you're called narcissistic or obsessed if you care more about yourself. But what I say in my book is that if you don't care about yourself as much, if not more, as other people, um, as you do with other people, it's actually not helpful to you at all. Because when you are happy, when you are feeling content and you are feeling fulfilled, that's where everything comes from. And we don't have to sacrifice being kind to ourselves in the name of being kind to other people. In fact, I don't think that, that that's kindness. It's not kindness when you're nice to somebody else and more considerate to somebody else than you are to yourself. You Your needs matter too. Mm -hmm. um, but I think the reason why we do that is because we're conditioned. We're all just little robots being conditioned from a young age on how to be and how not to be. And one of the things that we're taught, especially as women, is to self-sacrifice. And I just... I don't agree with that. I don't think we should self-sacrifice. I think that we need to actually put ourselves number one in our lives. And from there, we can actually be an even better mother, uh, father, sister, friend, service provider, whatever it is that you're doing. So I, I think we have it kind of backwards where we think that we're, we shouldn't be putting ourselves first. But what I'm trying to say is when you do put yourself first, everything follows from there. All good mm -hmm. things. Absolutely. Yeah. I agree with you. And how yeah. can we pinpoint those toxic thoughts that originate from that place of suppression? How do we know that, you know, we're encountering one and how can we replace that with something that's more empowering? Well, this is where you get to become self-aware, right? If you're just going on through the day and just trash talking yourself and you're not even aware of it, then the first step is going to be for you to become aware of how you're speaking to yourself. I walk this through and I, I walk the reader through this in my book. Look at where you're getting triggered. Look at where you stop yourself from feeling a certain way. Look at where you stop yourself from asking for help. Um, where do you shut down and avoid and isolate rather than be open hearted and connect with what it is and who it is that you want to connect with? But the first step is awareness. If you're not aware that you have negative self-talk, then you don't really have negative self-talk, right? Because you're not aware of it but you do have negative self-talk. You're just not aware of it. So start to really pay attention to how you're speaking to yourself. Was there like a person in your life who made you aware of it? Or is it something that you were able to pick, pick up on? I think there have definitely been people in my life along the way that I've pointed it out. Like I said, I started therapy at a young age. So I've really learned from a young age um, a lot of things that most people don't learn in their lifetime or they learn later on in life. But my therapist helped me become acutely aware of how I was thinking about things and how I was speaking to myself. And of course, along the way, I've had friends tell me, you're really hard on yourself. You're your, you're your own worst critic. And I've always known that about myself. Being, being the daughter of immigrants, we have a lot of pressure on us to succeed. And so I was yeah. quite aware of how mean I was to myself. Um, but I'm not like that anymore because it just doesn't, it's just not fun and it's not helpful. And life is way better when you're kinder to yourself. But I'm very lucky that I've had people throughout my life to point that out. And I also have had an acute sense of self-awareness as to how I'm speaking to myself. There's not a day that goes by that I don't pay attention to how I'm speaking to myself because that is literally running the show. Whether you want to or not, what you're saying to yourself is constantly guiding you. What you're thinking about is constantly guiding you. Right. And is it safe to say that you're probably being run by negative programming if you just don't feel good on a day-to-day -day basis? Like if you just you just don't feel confident about yourself, I mean, is that a good way to kind of understand and know that 
it's probably something wrong in the way that you are speaking to yourself. Yeah, I think when once you notice that you're not speaking kindly to yourself, one question that you can ask is, how do I say this to myself in a kinder way? How do I say this to myself in a more compassionate way? How do I how do I bring more curiosity with myself rather than judging and scolding and reprimanding? So the minute that you notice that you have negative self-talk, you get to be kinder to yourself and just ask yourself, it's a very simple question. If I was talking to a friend of mine, how would I be speaking? If I was speaking to my younger self, if I was speaking to a young child right now, how would I be speaking? That doesn't mean that I want you to infantilize yourself, but I do think that using a little bit more kindness with ourselves can help us get closer to what it is that we want to do rather than being mean right. to ourselves. It just yeah. doesn't help. How do we distinguish that from tough love? Like sometimes we do need that and we actually need to be firm with ourselves to get ourselves into the right frame of mind. For instance, if we're slacking and we're really not uh, doing what we're supposed to do um, and we really need that tough love, how do we accomplish that? Yeah, I don't think there's anything wrong with tough love, but I think um, there's a way in which we say it. You can say something to yourself in a way that's very honest, rigorously honest, but it comes from a place of love. In my book, I call that gentle determination. You can be gentle with yourself, but also use a tone of determination. So let's say you have you want to get up early in the morning and go to the gym rather than calling yourself a lazy piece of crap for not getting up in the morning. That doesn't really help. You can set yourself up for success and go to sleep early the night before, wake up early the next day, have your gym clothes out. There's a way that you can set yourself up for success without berating yourself. And yeah. if you can learn and find out how to do that, which I teach you in my book, you're going to go a lot farther in life and with your goals when you speak, you can still get the same thing done, but you don't need to be a jerk to yourself. That's the point. Okay. And what if we had parents who spoke to us in that way? I noticed that people who had very critical parents tend to adopt that kind of tone and it stays with them. What do you have to say about that? It doesn't have to stay with you. I grew up with a very critical, harsh mother. She still is one of the harshest people that I know. She speaks without thinking. She just says things. And she complete, feels completely justified in doing that because she is my mother. That is her That is her thing. Well, I'm your mother. Um, and so her voice has been imprint, imprinted in my head. I have worked very hard to replace her voice with my voice. Um, and so what if you have parents like that? Well, you forgive them for not knowing any better. You keep your distance, you set some boundaries, and you treat yourself the way you want to be treated. That's it. You can't change the way anyone has treated you in the past, but you can decide what you're willing to tolerate and not tolerate moving forward. So that's my answer to that. It's mm, a good one. It's a good one, right? And what about the role of culture? Because I know there are certain cultures where women aren't exactly encouraged to speak out loud. And I know there's this line from the movie Aladdin, you should be seen and not heard. I don't know if you watched the movie, but uh, that pretty much sums it up. Like, So how can we break that cycle of self-suppression, especially the ones that are culturally oriented? Yeah, I would say start small. It's never going to be easy with family and culture. In fact, I just I just did a workshop yesterday and this one young Indian girl, she's a college student. She came up to me and she was, you know, sharing with me how she wants to major in something and her family, her extended family has an opinion about it. And I said, "You know, does your extended family pay your bills?" And she was like, "No." I said, "You're going to have to learn to toughen up a little bit and not everyone is going to approve 
of what you want to do. Everyone's going to have their opinions on how you should live your life. And if you don't have a solid mindset, you're going to allow everyone to determine what you should and shouldn't do. And so it really is a matter of having grit, having resilience, and having determination to not allow what anyone says make you falter. If you believe in something and you want to do something, go for it. Everyone can have their opinions, but they're not in your shoes. They're not in your shoes and they don't know. And so, you know, it could be anything from starting a podcast to starting a business. You know, you have family members or culturally, you know, it's not acceptable in the culture for women to do this or to work. And these are just, this is part of the work. Part of the work is to go against what people may think. Otherwise, you're just sheep. You're just following the crowd like everybody else. So that is the work. That's the work right there is, okay, I want to do this. I'm coming up against a cultural faux pas here, you know, for me to be speaking up as a woman, you get to choose in that moment. Am I going to, it's a choice. It is absolutely, it's not like a magic pill that you take. It's not all of a sudden one day you wake up. It's a choice. It's a moment to moment to moment choice and decision to use your voice. So mm-hmm. I don't want to ha- paint, paint some picture like it's like, do this steps one, two, three. It's not steps one, two, three. It's a moment to moment choice. And that requires self-awareness, which is what I said before. How do you even begin to notice that you have negative self-talk? You have to be aware of how you talk to yourself. You have to start waking up to what you're saying to yourself. Yeah, and I think also having that confidence that you can stand up against such people who, you know, feel yeah. like they can interfere in your your business and express their opinion about your life. I think just knowing that you can withstand their criticism. Yes. Important. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, being able to withstand it, be okay with someone not being okay with you. Yeah. Right. Like you, you don't like everyone. Why should everyone like you? You don't think everyone's ideas are great. Why should everyone think your ideas are great? It's just growing up. You know, it's, yeah. it, it's a lot of emotional maturity to, to, to be like, well, this is what I want to do. Thank you for your opinion. And I'm going to do what I want to do. Yeah. And it takes a strong person to do that. I mean, we, I think we come from the same culture. So it's something, it's a skill that we women have to learn because we have like one foot in our culture of origin and then we have our, another foot in the Western culture. So it's like trying to find that balance between both of them can be a challenge for women like us. Yeah, I'm real. I'm, I'm lucky because my mother as as harsh and critical. She was, she's definitely a very independent, fiery woman. My mother is not submissive at all. She's not submissive. So I'm very lucky in that I did have a model of a mother who was very, who was very outspoken. Um, actually, my father was the quite submissive one, <laughs> but I had, I, I, my role model my model for a woman was my mother who was very outspoken and she always advocated for herself. She always advocated for us in school. She stood up for my father on many occasions. So I think also it's what you see growing up and the people that you have around you. Yeah, absolutely. So having good role models helps. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I mean, that's why I said she's very critical and she's very harsh, but if there's one thing my mother didn't show me was how to be submissive. Submissive is not a word that we use to describe my mother. She is quite aggressive, actually. But she always she always stands up for herself. She's always someone who she's not going to just be like, oh, it's okay. She's not a people pleaser. No. Right. Well, mm-hmm. how do we make sure that we are like, it's important to be assertive and stand up for our rights. But how can we prevent veering like on the dark side where we're aggressive and we're too much of a boss lady and we kind of lose our feminine energy? How do we prevent that from happening? 
I don't think that being a boss lady makes you lose your femininity. I don't think they're mutually exclusive. I don't think you have to lose one to be another. Someone would call me a boss lady and I'm one of the most feminine people that I know. You should see me behind closed doors. I'm quite feminine. And I also think the way that I approach things and I say things, I always say things in a way to make sure that people feel like I care. It's never an attack. I think this is our society painting this picture that if a woman is a boss lady, that for some reason she's more of a man. And I just don't think that's true. So, Okay. So how would you define femininity then? I think of femininity as a softness and a surrender and an opening and an openness to what life has to offer. I see when I'm in my feminine energy, I am in flow. I am creative. Um, I'm way softer with myself. And, um, but also when I'm in my masculine and a healthy masculine, I'm supportive, I'm structured, I have boundaries, um, but I'm also open-hearted. That's the best blend of both masculine and feminine is that you have structure and you have boundaries, but you're also open-hearted. My friends know that they can come to me about anything and mm-hmm. that it's always going to feel better. They're always going to feel better after they leave me because I, I, I also think our society has painted a pretty skewed image of what feminine means. And I think that that is a very personal um, choice. It is a personal identity for people to be feminine. I mean, who who is to say what is feminine and what's not? I just know if I were to define like, oh, I'm in my feminine, I would feel probably a lot, I would slow down a little bit slower, mm-hmm. a little more softer, um, and definitely in my creative flow and feeling the ability to be able to be relaxed, but still have a structure around me that supports me. Right. So to say it out loud, can that be done from a place of femininity? Yes, absolutely. I mean, you you don't need to be masculine to say it out loud. You can still be very much in your womanhood. Think about some of the some of the most powerful women you see out there who are also feminine. I think about Michelle Obama for I think about Michelle Obama who mm. says Good it out example. loud and she Good Yeah. Mm. Yeah, I think about Oprah, I think about Oprah, I think about Gail King, I think about so many women out there that are able to be strong and powerful yeah. and like still the queen archetype. Feminine. The queen archetype. Yes, exactly. Mm. Yeah. I like that. Yeah. Yeah, that that definitely helps with those examples because now I can really picture it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and I'm sure our listeners can as well. Thank you for that. Mm-hmm. All right. So like what can we do on a day-to-day basis to actually make this a practice saying out loud? Start small. Start with and in in if you're going through I, I was just at the car wash before this, right? And um I wanted a free, uh, they always give these free um air fresheners. And the guy had helped me out and then he was busy helping somebody else, but I really wanted a free air freshener. So I just rolled down my window and I said, excuse me, can I please have an air freshener? I know so many people that would not want to bug somebody else and they don't want to be a burden and they don't want to be a nuisance, but I wanted my car to smell like new car. So I just rolled down my window and I said, excuse me, sir, can I please have an air freshener? And he gave me one happily. It's in those little moments. That's why I use that example where we are like, oh, I don't want to be a burden. Yeah. I don't want to be a nuisance. So that was the, like, so when I say start small, I really mean start small. Start in your everyday interactions where you're at a restaurant, 
you've maybe ordered an appetizer, an entree, they bring you your entree, they forget the appetizer, are you going to just sit there and not say anything? Or are you going to say, excuse me, I ordered an appetizer, is it coming out? Is it not? You want to just cancel it? Like little things like that, man, I see people, they just swallow it. And it's really hard. It's really hard for some people. I have some family members and friends who just cannot speak up. And when they see me do it, they just can't believe it that I actually spoke up. And for people like us, it's just, it's something that comes pretty easily. Like, but there are some people who find it really challenging to do that. Yeah. And it just, it, I, I want to say this because I want anyone listening to this who may be silencing themselves. If you're silencing yourself, there's nothing wrong with you. You just, you have not been taught how to speak up. It is a habit that can be built. It is a skill that can be built. Just like when people say confidence is a feeling. And I'm like, confidence is not a feeling. It is a skill. You become confident and you feel confident because of the actions that you take. Anytime you tell yourself, I can't do something, but you do it anyway, you build confidence. Just like that, speaking up is a skill that can be built in those micro moments, in those small situations, in those moments where you normally would have said, no, I'm not going to say anything. I mean, and listen, pick your battles. All right. I'm not saying you got to say it out loud, every single thing. But if, if there's something that you want and someone can help you with it, just ask them. Right. And I, it, it comes so naturally to me that I'm just like, how do you not do it? You know, but I exactly. understand. Yeah. It, yeah. So, but, but I do want to say it's like, it's like any habit. So I could like, okay. It's like, you know how people who are extremely disciplined with their working out. I'm always like, how do they do that? And it's just another habit. It's another habit that can be built. So that's, I, I want to say that for everyone listening that this is, you're not doomed. Read my book, do the exercises, start speaking up in areas of your life where you normally would not be speaking up and you'll watch yourself become someone who's quite assertive and still feminine. Hmm. I like that. Well, that's a great note for us to end this conversation. Vasavi, it's been wonderful talking to you. Uh, thank thank you. you for inspiring us with your energy and your guidance. Thank you so much, Celine. I love the questions that you asked. Oh, uh, thank you. I, I liked your responses. So I just want to let everyone know, um, if you're interested in learning more about Vasavi's book or purchasing it, you can find it in all major bookstores and on her website, wasavikumar.com. And the title of the book is Say It Out Loud, Using the Power of Your Voice to Listen to Your Deepest Thoughts and Courageously Pursue Your Dreams. Hey, everyone. Thanks for tuning in. If you enjoyed what you just heard, please subscribe to my podcast and feel free to share it with your friends and family. Take care and speak soon.